One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Carrie Nye Noise. The AI way to drift astray, the text and music is created with artificial intelligence. So here's a few words on AI creating art. I've been interested in machine intelligence for a long time, and this is a very cool experiment in that direction. Specifically, it is an experiment in using recurrent neural networks to create text and a recurrent neural network that creates music. Kiranaja Noise generated the text in this show, part with GPT-3, Oppenai's large-scale language generation model. Upon generating draft language, Kiranaja Noise reviewed, edited, and revised the language to their own liking, and takes ultimate responsibility for the content of this publication. This episode is called, The Wages of Sin. of sin. My belly's jetting thin. I'll put it in the bin. It makes a good meal for a bad man. The wages of sin. My narrow little man. He's hiding in the bin. He makes a good meal for a bad man. Wages of sin. My skinny little man. His motive it's hard to understand. He makes a good meal for a bad man. The wages of sin. My stupid little man. He's hiding in the bin. He makes a good meal for a bad man. The wages of sin. My greasy little man. He's hidden in the bin. He makes a good meal for a bad man. The wages of sin. My lonely little man. He's hiding in the bin. 
he makes a good meal for a bad man. Look at the lady standing on the porch, watching the rain and cool wind sweeping the yard. She's wearing a bright red sweater and gray pants with her black boots. She looks at me, smiling. I smile, too, and wave. She waves back. I can tell she's a student. She's wearing a backpack. I take off my backpack and my jacket and walk toward her. I want to meet her. Hello. I'm a student, too, I say. Hi. I'm a student, too. You can have my umbrella, she says. Thank you. I take the umbrella from her. I like your necklace. It's pretty, she says. Thank you. I like your necklace, too, I say. The lady has a pretty necklace. It's made from shells. I tell her that I like her necklace. She thanks me. My necklace is made from shells, she says. My necklace is made from shells, too, I say. I like your necklace, too, she says. I like your necklace, too, I say. I like the lady. She's nice. I'm glad I met her. She tells me that her name is Jen. I tell her my name is Mika. I like your name, she says. Thank you. I like your name. I say. I like her name too. I'm glad we met. I'm going to go to my class, she says. I'm going to go to my class too, I say. This, dear listeners, is a beginning. A beginning of a friendship that may seem unconventional to some. I wouldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have reached out to a stranger. She did it. She reached out to a stranger. She showed me that she could do it. And that's what she did. She reached out to a stranger. And she made a friend.
I love him. There isn't another way to put it. He's my soulmate, my best friend, my lover. He's everything I've ever wanted and never knew I wanted. He's the reason I wake up every morning and the reason I go to sleep every night. And I can't lose him. I have to find a way to fix this. Chapter 9 The doorbell rings. I look at the clock. 11 p.m. Who the hell is ringing my doorbell at this hour? I walk to it, my hand on my gun, and pull the curtain back. They're here. I don't know how they found me so quickly, but I know who they've come for. I back away from the door, my heart racing. I walk back to the kitchen, grabbing my phone on the way, and dial. Hello? They're here. Are you sure? Yeah. They're at my door right now. I'm on my way. The phone goes dead. I hold my gun in one hand and my phone in the other. I walk back to the door, peering through the peephole. They're still there. I dial again. Yes. They're still at my door. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Okay. I hang up the phone and walk away from the door. I sit on the couch. I'm shaking, and my heart is racing. I can't lose him. I can't. I'll kill myself before I let them take him. I'm not sure what I'll do if they kill him, but I can't live without him. I hear a car in front of my house. I get up and walk to the window. I watch as the car pulls up and stops. A man gets out and walks to the passenger side. He opens the door and gets back in. The car pulls away. I walk back to the couch and sit, my gun still in my hand. I can't stop shaking. I hear the door open. Hank. I walk to the kitchen and when I turn the corner, I see him. He's standing in my doorway, his gun drawn. His eyes are wide and he's holding his gun at chest level. Are you sure they're here? He asks. Yes. Where? I point to the door. He runs to it, his gun pointed at the door. I can barely hear him talking under his breath. He's muttering something and then saying shit. What? They're gone. I walk into the kitchen and join him in the doorway. How do you know? Their car's gone. Why don't you call them and see if they're hiding around here somewhere? Good idea. I'll call them. He dials his phone. This is Agent Murdoch, he says into it. He pauses. I need you to send the techs over here now. They were here, but they're gone. He pauses again. I need you to dust the place for prints and take some photos. He pauses again. I want you to check for any unusual activity on my credit cards and bank account. I want to know anything they might have done. He pauses again. Yes. Thank you. He hangs up. They'll be here in a few minutes. They'll dust for prints and take pictures. I walk to the living room and sit on the couch. 
I put my gun on the coffee table, and I hide my shaking hands in my lap. I look at him. They were here for me, weren't they? Yeah. Why? They want to kill you. Why? I don't know. He hangs his head. I don't know. I'm sorry I got you involved with this. He looks at me, his eyes wide. Are you kidding me? I'm not sorry. I'll do whatever it takes to protect you. I don't think you understand how dangerous this is. If they find us again, they'll kill us. He sits down on the couch next to me. I know that. He takes my hand. I know that, but I'll do whatever it takes to protect you. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose you either. He kisses my hand. I'm not going anywhere. I promise. We hear a car door slam. They're here, he says. I look out the window. A black car is parked in front of my house. Two men get out of the car. I'll let them in, he says. He walks to the door. He opens it and steps outside. He talks to the two men for a minute and then lets them in. They walk into the living room. This is Agent Graham and Agent Thompson, he says. They're part of my team. The man he called Thompson nods. Nice to meet you, he says. I nod. They'll need to do a sweep and take some pictures, he says. I nod again. again. This is what you should do if you run into a problem with your adoring fans. 1. Thank them for their support. 2. Apologize for the inconvenience. 3. Respond to each and every comment. 4. Turn the negative into a positive. 5. Make it up to them. This is what you should not do. 1. Ignore the problem. 2. Make excuses. 3. Say nothing and hope it goes away. 4. Blame the customer. 5. Blame the competition. I've learned this the hard way.
important thing is that you keep calm and don't panic. If you do that, you should be able to survive. Oh, really? Said the girl. So you think I'll need to survive? It's not possible to tell. We don't have any choice but to hope for the best. Please prepare yourself. Oh, I've prepared myself. I've been prepared for years. I was born prepared. What do you mean? I mean I'm ready to die. That's impossible. You're not even 10 years old. It doesn't matter how old you are, the girl said. If you're ready to die, then you must be a very rare person, the voice said. The girl said nothing to that. If you're ready to die, the voice said, you must be someone who thinks about death a great deal, and, if you think about death a great deal, you must be someone who thinks about life a great deal, too. In that case, you must have a very strong sense of life. You must be someone who really values living. If you think about death a great deal, you must also have a very clear idea of what death is. You must have a very strong sense that death is the opposite of life. You must have a very strong sense that there's a clear boundary between life and death. If death is the opposite of life, then life must be something that has form. Something that has weight. Something that has color. Something that has a shape. Death doesn't. Death is nothing. It doesn't exist, and if death doesn't exist, then neither does nothingness. Enter the room as if you've been there a hundred times before. Keep your head high and walk with purpose. Look around, get your bearings, and don't hesitate to interrupt a conversation or start one. If the person you're talking to is engaged in conversation with someone else, Introduce yourself, and return to your conversation. You're not there to waste anyone's time. At a networking event, the goal is to make yourself memorable. In order to do that, you'll need to be memorable, but not in a way that's forced. You want to be memorable, but also relatable. Here are some ways to do that. Be genuine. Don't pretend to be someone you're not. Be yourself. Be interested. Ask about the other person. Ask about how they got to where they are. Ask about what they like and don't like about their job. Ask about their hobbies and passions. Have a few topics in mind in case your conversation lags. Then follow the lead of the other person to see where the conversation goes. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask for advice. You're just asking and not asking for a favor. You're just asking for advice. And then when you're finished, thank the person and say goodbye. These are just a few basic tips to keep in mind when networking.
In Paris, there's a statue that I always go to look at whenever I'm around. It's a statue of a foot with toes really well defined and it's on a column. I'm not kidding. It's a statue of a foot. It's on top of a column on the right-hand side of the Arc de Triomphe roundabout, at the bottom of the Champs-Élysées. I go to look at it every time I'm in Paris, because it's such an odd thing to put up. I'm not sure why someone would do it, but I also don't think that they would do it without a reason. But what is the reason? I have a theory. When I first saw it, I thought it was a very funny thing to put up, but I didn't think anything of it, other than it was an odd thing. I know that these days you can do anything you want. You can be a superhero. You can be a rock star. You can be a heart surgeon if you want. But I think there's a limit. I think that there's still a limit to how weird you can be. Okay, let's say you're a rock star. You might want to dress up in a costume. Or you might want to do something crazy. But let's say you're a rock star. And you want to take up sculpting. You can't just go and make a foot. I think there's a limit to how weird you can be. So I had this theory. That the reason that this foot was put up was to test the boundary of what you could be weird and get away with it. There's a famous story of a sculptor who was trying to sell some of his work to a museum. The museum director told him that he didn't like his work. And the sculptor asked why. The museum director told the sculptor that he didn't like the way that he carved faces. So the sculptor carved a face. And he put his thumb over the face. And asked the museum director if he liked it better now. The museum director said that yes, that he did like it better now. So the sculptor took his thumb off the face. And the face looked exactly the same. Even though the sculptor had taken his thumb off the face, the face was still the same. I think that this statue of a foot was to see how far you can push something before it looks ridiculous. I think that the sculptor who made the foot knew that if you took someone like Michelangelo, or Rodin, or Picasso, or even someone like a street artist, and you said to them, go and make a foot, they would go and make a foot. I think that you can get away with anything. As long as it looks like it was made by a person. Her name was Yolanda. She lived alone in a little tin roofed house with a courtyard and some chickens. She was a widow. I told her about myself. And she listened with a face that told me she was not surprised. You're a warrior. She said. A warrior in the heart. One day she said, I have a son. He is 12 years old. I have not seen him for three years. I am afraid for him. He is not strong. He is like a bird in flight. He has no wings. I would like to see him again. I would like to hold him in my arms. I would like to give him wings.
Send him to me. I will show him how. She looked at me, then smiled. You are a strange man. I have fear. Of the future. Of tomorrow. Of dying. She was silent. And then she nodded. I will send him. When? Tomorrow. How? I will take him to the town. And I will find some way. You will send him to me? I will. The next day she came to my house with a boy who looked about 10 or 11. This is my son. She said. His name is Robert. I am pleased to meet you, Robert. How are you? I am well. He said, then looked at me with wide eyes. Are you a soldier? No. I fight when there is a need. Will you fight for me? Yes. I will fight. He looked at me, then glanced at his mother. Will you teach us both? Yes. Yolanda said, he is like a bird. Are you afraid? No. I am afraid of nothing. He was a great learner. Eager to learn. We worked together for a month. Then I took him into the jungle alone. You must learn to hunt. I said. You will teach me? Yes. He was quiet. His eyes thoughtful. And then he looked up at me. You will teach me? Yes. And I will learn? Yes. You will learn. Will I be a warrior? Not if you fail to learn. I will not fail. Then you will be a warrior. When he had gone, Yolanda came to me. He has learned well. He has become a warrior. She shook her head. He is like a bird. He was always afraid. He is like a bird. Here's a list of ideas for some ways you can use sauerkraut to improve your health. 1. You can wear it as a hat. 2. You can have fun with your friends with it. 3. You can use it as a weapon to defend yourself against wild animals. 4. It makes a wonderful snack. 5. It tastes great with a cold beer. 6. It is excellent for your digestive system and can promote healthy gut flora. 7. It is a great additive to many recipes, helping to reduce the acidity of foods and making them more nutritious. 8. You can pickle it and use it in recipes. 9. You can eat it just plain. 10. It is a great source of fiber and can help to control blood sugar levels.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 